Brother, do you know Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad? Uh, I do not know him, no. Kevin Kincaid. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> anyway. It's always soccer in Philadelphia, yes indeed, on a Thursday afternoon. And uh, I got to say, last night's win was enjoyable. one nothing over the defending champion, Columbus Crew. A great defensive ex- uh, effort. Uh, didn't have to hear anything about Ben Simmons. Uh, Joel Embiid's knee, his meniscus, anything like that. I got to say, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying uh, shifting gears here. Uh, coming back to my safe space. Uh, talking about a team that can meet expectations and can uh, bring us some joy uh, in, the, in, the, in the process. Get it? The process? Yeah. Joining us uh, for this uh, episode is uh, a longtime friend. I would call him a friend of the program, even though I've never had him on before. Uh, I don't know how that's possible, but it's uh, Mike Cervetti of the Philly Soccer Page is joining us. Mike, what's up, man? Hey, man, it's good to see you. I'm, uh, I'm excited to do this finally. Yeah, Mike, you, you've probably been reading his stuff at PSP for forever. Um, co-host of the KYW Philly Soccer Show with Greg Orlandini, who is on the editor's desk, uh, probably right now as we're recording this. Um, but uh, yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of a um, Philadelphia Union beat uh, OG, as well as a, a Casa League OG. Uh, West Philly United, um, right? Is, uh, is, is that still active? Is there anybody who's still carrying the torture? Is everybody 30, 39 years old at this point? Uh, our West Philly FC still exists. Uh, our friend from uh, the All Three Points podcast, Chris Gibbons, has yeah. stepped in to, to run the, the club, <laughs> which is one of Casa Soccer League's oldest clubs, yeah. liter- both uh, by age of club and age of folks on the team at this point but you know yeah. we're we're hoping to get back in the the over 30 division in the fall so. yeah literally literally and figuratively yeah yes. yeah you know very, i think i looked so. i looked up one day and i was i was like uh you know maybe i should start thinking about playing over 30 instead right and then i and then i figured out at the same time like oh i also qualify for over 35 now at the same time yeah so there was like a third there was like a five-year like gap there too that i completely forgot to take into account you know I'll be 40 this year. So, you know, I think <laughs> I, I've kind of aged with the Casa League. So if, if we want to get that over 40 division going, like, and I don't have to try to hold the shirts of the 31 year olds, I'm fine with that too. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That'll be, uh, that may be our future in the over 40 division if, uh, if that thing is ever launched. So, uh, well, listen, let's get it on to more uh, pertinent things. Uh, really good Philadelphia Union performance, one nothing over Columbus Crew. That's uh, two games they've played against Columbus this year where they've allowed zero goals. Uh, they've allowed a grand total of zero shots from Jossie Sardes. The defense was good. Jameer Montero had a good game. Uh, I'll toss it to you, Mike. I mean, what was your uh, you know, day after now? Like, if you're looking back at that game, what's kind of the uh, overarching takeaway for you? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit a like uh, the defensive effort is the the thing that I really point to from last night. I thought Jack Elliott was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Glessness was was really really good again. Um, Leon Flock and the the six. You know, you, you you worry about playing a team like Columbus without Jose Martinez, just just because of the defensive presence that he put out there. But I I you know I hardly missed the guy last night, which is you know a testament to the the performance they put forward. Um, you know, I think you get. A little bit of luck for the goal, but yeah, Jamiro, one of his better games, the 10, which I think you, you tweeted last night and I would agree with, mm-hmm. um, but really the defensive effort. And then, you know, Andre Blake has been phenomenal this year, had a relatively quiet game last night and then just a, an amazing save. And I, what I think was the 82nd minute. So yeah. just phenomenal there. And you're like expecting it, you know, like we did the post game show 
Um, I did the post game show with Sean Brace on the Gambler last night, and I, you know, I, like I send him some ideas, like stuff that we want to talk about after the game. And you know, I wrote down the Andre Blake save, and then I like crossed it off the list because I'm like, well, what do you want me to say? Like, it's like Andre being Andre. Like, you come to expect that at this point. So it's not, it's not even really a story. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna make like one crazy save that's gonna keep you in the game for sure. Um, you know, to Jamiro, um to steer it that way. Yeah, I, I'd say it's not only was it one of his best games that he's had this year, but also an important game because, uh, you know, Martinez is not there. Flocks at the six. Uh, McGlynn is playing at the other eight. And we could say, you know, Jameer's played a lot of the 10 this year, but we could still I kind of technically say he's playing out of position or not at his strongest position or preferred position maybe. I think the takeaway was that, you know, I went on who scored and I was looking at the activity charts and uh, they logged him with 59 touches. Uh, which was number one on the team, which is insane, insane for for a number ten to not only lead the team in touches but be up in that kind of range because normally you don't even get into the forties for those guys. But uh, I think it just said a lot to me about his willingness to like find the ball, come back, get on it, spray those diagonals, kind of get the other team moving side to side, and just uh, you know, kind of this understanding that he's the one creative guy that they got out there in the midfield, and he's got to put the team on his shoulders and do something. Yeah, you know, and I think you talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago when you had Matt Doyle on that, you know, and I agree with this, that Montero does such a great job of getting on the ball in the in the wing positions as well, that, you know, it's almost hard to choose at this point where 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 you need to slot him in, you know, I think with Gosdog kind of lurking now, you know, you, you might see Montero at the 10 and Gosdog or uh, Gosdog at the 10 and Montero moved back outside. But you, yeah. you, I think Montero has grown into the, the 10 role as the season has gone on too. I, I was worried watching the first month, month and a half of this season that, that he wasn't going to get the job done in that, in the top of the diamond. And yeah. I think that the performances have, have improved. Um, and then, you know, last night I think was probably the, the, the best one. Um, so, you know, it's, it's still improving, which I think is a real positive. Yeah. I think like, uh, you know, I think when you think smaller guys like him who end up at the number 10, um, they kind of get like, like squashed a little bit between the lines and sometimes they get swallowed up, you know, they take a touch and they got a guy on their back right away or a, <clears throat> a second guy or a center back, like sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, following them around. And, um, you know, I thought the goal that they scored last night was a good example of Jamiro, um, kind of kind of defeating that you know where he's got the guy up on his back he holds it up uh kind of shields that guy off a little bit uh pulls in enough like like gravity you know we use this term in basketball where it's like gravity like how how much do you attract like a defender to you or whatever you suck him in because it's kind of like this inside outside thing where he can play and bizo back out to the right and that was uh you know, gave him enough space to hit a one-time ball back in you know but to the point um with Jamiro in the 10 and the 8 like I think you and I are on the same page. It's like, I think a lot of the creative stuff that he can do uh, as a number 10, he can, he can still do that as an eight too. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like he can, he, I feel like he can do what he did last night playing as an eight or a 10, you know, I mean, position is going to be a little bit different further up the field, but um, you know, I think his skill set is one where he's kind of a, a back to front kind of player and he can kind of bridge the gap. 
Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And I think the the big difference for me is that the way that it gets other players onto the field, you know, I think Flock has been very good, but I don't think that Flock has been terrific with the ball. I don't, you know, he he doesn't offer the the passing that Martinez offers. He doesn't offer the passing that Montero offers. Um, I'm interested to see more of Gazdag because, you know, we've seen, you know, 10 minutes of him so far in a union yeah. shirt. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the offensive group. But, you know, I think the thing that has been missing when when Montero is at the 10 is that you don't have, especially coming from the left side, you know, I think you know what you're getting from Bedoya on the right side for the most part. But if it's Flock on the left side or, you know, last night it was McGlynn for, for a good portion of the game, um, the, the passing and the offensive side of things is just it's it's not evolving quick enough. Yeah, yeah. Most attacks and and certainly those guys on the ball, they're just they're a little uncomfortable, I think. I think they're a little timid, you know, first year in the league type thing. Um, so, you know, I, I agree. I think, you know, I still think Montero at the eight and somebody else at the 10, probably Gazdag or Fontana, if he can sort himself out a little bit more this year, you know, it, it gives you more players going forward and players that are going to be in the box and making the passes around the box, you know, with a, a little bit more creativity. Yeah. It just, it just makes things smoother kind of in the buildup play too, because, um, you know, I, I, we were talking about, or we touched on this briefly last night. I think I tweeted something about it and you followed up on it, but you know, Leon flock um, for all the, all the praise that he's getting and rightfully so, and all of the running that he does and all of the um, defending that he does out there, you know, they look, they, they do look a little clunky in the buildup play as far as, you know, kind of like, where are they trying to go? Like, what are the ideas, you know? And um, you know, there's a couple of instances last night where, uh, he's just sort of standing behind two guys who are f- like shading the center backs and the center backs don't really have anywhere to, to play him. You know, like he's not pushing forward. He's not dropping backwards. He's just sort of accepting the fact that he's not an option in that point. Whereas you see guys like Brujo will come and like demand the ball and, f- and find the ball. Or if Jamiro's playing as the eight, he'll drop back like a six and he'll come and get on the ball. The the outside backs are there. Harris Madunian and would kind of go to one side to the channel outside either one of those center backs so um i'm with you 100 percent that i think like for leon i think his next step up is like what you know like how, how do you influence the game more when you do have the ball you know and um i don't really know do you have an answer for that I mean, I think we've seen we've seen it in flashes. I mean, I think his left foot is is strong. You know, I'd love to see him get forward a little bit more um, when he is playing that left sided position and get crosses into the box. You know, I think we've seen him very few times really get down to the end line on the left wing and get the ball in that way. Um, his combination play with Kai Wa- Kai Wagner is is feels like a work in progress still down the left. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I think the thing for him is just getting him a little further up the field, especially when he's, you know, on the, the left side. You know, I think it's, it's different when he's in the six. You know, I, I think you, you expect him not not as far up the field. You, I do think that there is an opportunity for him to learn from Martinez about some of the angles that he could get into and get on the ball a little bit yeah. more coming out of the back. Um, but, you know, I, I just love to see him a little further up and combining with the guys a little further up the field. Yeah. So if I gave you... Um... Yeah, if I gave you a blank sheet, if I said, Mike Cervetio, you're Jim Curtin for this game. And, um, you know, you got your four midfield spots. Everybody's healthy. Gosh, I healthy. Uh, Brujo's back or whatever. Um, who's who's your four? How do you do it? 
Yeah, I think you know Flock is the odd man out for me right now. Um, I think he's got to be right. I mean, I, I yeah, because yeah. I feel like I feel and I feel like you know I feel like fans. I don't want fans to get the wrong perspective because it's not like it's not like I'm not down on the guy. I just think that no. like I think sometimes we have this thing where it's like like the shiny new toy makes a good impression, looks good, and then I think people sometimes go overboard and say you can't take the guy off the field. Right, and it, it's definitely not gotten to that point yet. You know, I think Gosdog is still a little bit of a wild card just because we haven't seen a lot of them. I think. Going by what we have seen from, you know, his, his uh, campaign last year in Hungary and, you know, the, the videos that get put out, you know, he has the skill set for what the union need in that 10 position, it feels like. So getting him into that position, getting Montero back onto the, the, the wing a little bit and, you know, having Bedoya and Martinez, I, I just think that's a more cohesive unit in terms of their ability to ping the ball around a little bit, the yeah. ability for all of them to get forward at different points and, and probably get some shots in. You know, you, you see Martinez come up and, and take the, the long range sometimes that maybe you're hoping he doesn't take, but, you know, one of these times <laughs> it's going to ping into the top corner like Lesnar's is against Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, I, I do I do think that. Um, but, yeah, I th- unfortunately, I think Flock and, – and Flock off the bench is – is, is a great tool to have too, you know, on the 60 minute mark. Yeah, I mean, yeah. coming in to play as, you know, a second defensive midfielder coming in to give Ali some rest or give Jamiro some rest on the, on the sides there, or, you know, change the formation with, with gauze dog. So I, you know, I, I think for, for me, flock ends up being the, the guy out there. And I, I, I go with, you know, gauze dog, Bedoya, Montero and, and Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same page with that for sure. Um, yeah, and Leon does have a lot of value coming off the bench, you know, especially with extra subs. And um, the fact that, you know, Warren Corval was kind of like the only guy you had in the past who would who would come in and be kind of that like midfield closer, somebody who could just kind of like junk it up and, and you know, try to win the ball and slow the opponent up and stuff like that. And I don't really have that right now off the bench because I think all of the homegrown guys are, are sort of like a – this uh, homogenous blob for a lack of a better word, but I don't really, I don't really know what Quinn Sullivan is right now. I don't really know what McGlynn is right now. I don't really know what Aronson is right now. And um, it sounds like kind of like disrespectful to say, I don't mean it to be disrespectful, but it's like, I look at those guys are just kind of interchangeable right now. Cause I don't, you, either, I don't, I don't know who's best in what spot. I don't know who's an eight. I don't know who's a 10. I don't know who's a six, you know, it's kind of hard to, um, discern any of that until you get any real minutes for him but at the same time i'm like well how <laughs> like how are they going to do because because no, none of those guys would be in the preferred um if we had of our choice of making the 11 mcglynn sullivan fontana i mean real are, are any of those guys in the starting 11 no no uh, i i don't see it yet you know i i the thing i, I said this about mcglynn last night and i i'd stick by this like he doesn't look out of place you know he's 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 the the young guy right. that we've probably seen the most of so far you know his passing is clean um he's defensively generally in the right place you know you're not seeing him getting you know beat on the dribble every time his his defender has the ball um Sullivan we've seen in flashes, you know, mostly late in the game. So it's, it's really hard to pick up on what he offers, you know, especially a game he comes in last night and they're, they're really just trying to, to, to keep the clean sheet. They're not getting forward a whole lot. Yeah. Um, we've seen almost nothing from Aronson yet. 
Um, you know, and I know he was out for a little while with the injury, but, you know, I'll be curious to see, you know, how he steps in and, and if they can use him a little bit more. But yeah, from what you're coming from, I, I do think that there's a little bit of a, a blob with particularly those three <laughs> players of like, I wish I had a more you know, I just, I just way to pull, say it. I just want to pull out a little bit, like to figure out a little bit more, like, you know, you, you yeah. hear Curtin say like, oh, this guy's playing really well in training. And I, I'd love to know almost a little bit more about it. Is he, is he pinging the ball? Is he getting in stuck in on tackles? Yeah. What, what, what is, what's, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I think too, the thing is about the four, four, two, when you have like interchangeable parts and you know, you look at guys who can play multiple positions and stuff like that, that has a ton of value to it. But oftentimes too, then it leads to the discussion we're having now where I don't know like what they're like really good at, like what's their specialty. Okay. So you got a bunch of two way guys who can get forward and get back can play like McGlynn, who, like you say, I agree a hundred percent. Like he doesn't look out of place, but if you asked me last night to give you an observation, about McGlynn, I don't know what the fuck to say. Like, I don't know what to say. You know, if like, I think Sean or somebody asked me about it on the radio show the one time, they were like, well, McGlynn made his debut. What'd you think? And I was like, uh, I mean, you know, he didn't make any mistakes. I could, like, I literally could not, th- I watched the whole game from start to start. I could not think of anything to say about him. Um, uh, like, really, that was much of a take either way, you know? So I think sometimes the, the, um, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. It's like, because you have those interchangeable parts and guys can seamlessly move around the midfield, it makes them valuable in a lot of ways, but in, in, in a weird way, like, I don't, I just don't know what they are. Yeah. And I think some of it, it's, it's gotta become a little bit more apparent as just, there's just more time, you know, you, you've seen McGlynn, what was this, his second start? You know, I, I remember he had moments against Chicago in the, his first start where, yeah. you know, he, he, he got forward a little bit more and, and, and had some opportunities on goal last night. You know, I, I didn't see it again. I think there was when I tweeted out what I did last night about, you know, him not being out of place. He had a sequence. I think that he just, you know, put together a couple of nice passes through a triangle on the left yeah. side and it, but it felt good. You know, it, it looked yeah. natural. <laughs> you know, it did, you know, yeah. he didn't get dispossessed. He didn't kick the ball out of bounds. He didn't take a bad card. That's good. It's fine. And he, does, <laughs> and he like the, the truth is like, he doesn't have to do any more than that. Right. Not right now. Not yeah. in that configuration, you know? No. And so that's why you have guys like Jameer Montero who are getting paid what they're getting paid to score the goal and, you know, do what he does. So in the grand scheme of things, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. It's what ex- what's expected and what's asked of him, you know? Um, maybe Maybe I just, maybe I have a skewed viewpoint of the whole thing because the benchmark is Brendan Aronson, you know? And so maybe I got to stop. Maybe it's on me or other people to say like, hey, you got to, you know, look at, Mark McKenzie and Brendan Aronson as being perhaps outliers. And maybe we should be on an evaluation path. That's more congruent of like a, like a Derek Jones or of, of Anthony Fontana or something like that. If we're going to set real realistic expectations for these guys. And I, I think that's, it's always going to be the thing when, when, you know, you're building from your, your Academy that there's, there's hits and misses and there's, there's going to be guys that develop at different rates. And I, I remember having this, this conversation when the union traded Derek Jones, so was it four or five seasons ago at this point? Mm-hmm. And some union fans were looking at that as like, Oh man, we're, we're giving up on this prospect. Like it's, you know, uh, this guy could be a great player. He looks decent, but like it wasn't working for him here for a couple yeah. of different reasons. Um, and it, it didn't work for him right away when he left here. But, you know, I think this year in Houston, he looks like he's really transformed himself. He, he looks to be the player that I think a lot of union fans thought he could be a couple seasons ago. And 
that's going to happen for, for, for different guys at different times. And, and it's going to happen in different places. You know, McGlynn could end up being Aronson next year. He's, he, you know, McGlynn's still only 17. He's going to be yeah. 18 next year. I know, he gets crazy. a full, full team, full year with the, the first team where he's getting starts, where he's going to be coming off the bench probably in, in some of these more congested periods that, you know, it's, it, it has the real potential to build into a, a really strong foundation for the player. I know it's crazy. It's crazy to, to like kind of put it in perspective and think like he's 17 years old. When I was 17, I was um, playing for the Boyertown Bears, you know, in Berks <laughs> County. He's playing for the Philadelphia Union. So, yes, it's it's definitely – and the thing with Flock too, Flock is interesting just to wrap up this part of it real quick because like I think people look at Flock a certain way because he came from overseas, but he's not like really – I don't, he's not really a foreign signing in my mind because he's 20 years old and he's got an American passport and his developmental path or what we should expect of him at this point feels more like a, I don't know. He feels like a, like a, like an honorable, an honorable mention for a homegrown or something. Like, I think I look at, I don't know how to explain that point any better, but like, I don't, I don't think I would look at him the same way that maybe other people are looking at him. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Uh, and he, I think people do look at him differently because he's co- he's come from Germany, you know, and he he was at Saint was at Saint Pauli before he came here, right? So Bundesliga two, yeah, yeah. Um, and what was his run out there? Do you, I don't even know. Like, was was he a regular? Was was he a six? Was he an eight? I know he came in here with the tag as he can play the six or left back, and he's been mostly playing as a shuttler eight. Yeah, they had him listed as like, yeah, I went back and looked at it. I think there was even spots where he played right back too. It seemed like he was just a utility knife for him. But um, yeah, I mean, we made it seem like he was uh, like a big foreign signing. But I mean, at the same time, he's like a 20-year-old kid from Texas. Yeah. So it was just fun. It was just funky to me. I just like kind of screwed up the whole thing, I guess. And then I think, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, too, is, you know, the longer that MLS is around, you're, you're going to have more guys that end up like Flock, too, that, you know, go over and try something in Europe that maybe doesn't work out. Or, and yeah. and as, as MLS increases in quality, too, you're going to start maybe bringing back some of these young guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's positive. What, um, where are you at with the strikers right now? <laughs> I think they're one short. Doesn't doesn't it feel like it sometimes? You know, I I was interested to see Santos come off the bench last night because it felt like a game that he could have some influence. Yeah, because Columbus was going to have the ball in the second half, looking for the goal um, to come to come back. They're they're a good possession team, and you you felt like the Union would concede a little bit of the field to them, and you know you'd you'd have chances on the break, which is what the Union want. They want a break, and and Santos is the perfect guy for that over the top. Yeah. And what did he have? Three, four touches. I I hardly even remember him on the ball. I don't definitely don't remember him getting a run in behind anybody. I think my original Sergio Santos take last year was that he was going to have a breakout season. I don't even know if that was last year, the year before it feels like so long ago now. And then he stunk for like a half a season. And then he, and then I rescinded my Sergio Santos take. And then he played really, really well for a while. I tried to, I tried to take it back. I tried to like take my rescinded take and like redo it (laughs) and asked if I could take credit for something, even though I tried to go back on it. But I just like with him, it's like, well, and all of them really, Cashbert's Cashbert. Like, you know, you're probably going to get a goal out of him at some point, even though he doesn't like, he's just kind of meandering around up until then. But like with all three of those guys, don't you sit there and like, think to yourself, like, like, I'm just like, like, like waiting, like, like somebody take this role, this job, grab it by the throat 
and like just get, like t- take it take the job and don't give it back like just give me some like i'm waiting for somebody to just kind of like step up and rise above the rest of the group and like kind of like make themselves like hey like i can't be taken off the field and i don't feel like i'm getting that from any one of them right now i mean i think Corey is probably the one that's closest to giving you that and i don't even think that Corey has been that good um, yeah uh you know i i agree with your, your take on casper you know he, he kind of I think 2019 Casper seems to be the outlier so far that, you know, he just, he was more involved in that, yeah. that, that, that team, you know, he struggles he to like coming back. I'm not like, I'm not re- remembering things incorrectly, but wasn't he coming back and getting on the ball and holding it up and allowing yeah. people to get forward. He was doing more with his feet. You know, he had that quick sort of shuffle where he's, he kind of gets it from his right to his left or his left to his right. Like, I don't, why, why am I not like seeing that anymore? I, and I wonder if some of that is he's played with Corey a lot who, who does, do a decent job of that. You he know, does I, come I, back. I always, yeah, yeah. I, I worry that Casper and Corey are a little too similar. Um, but but honestly, I haven't seen a bit of chemistry between any of the three of them. <laughs> no, have no, you? No, no. And I think I think there's a different there's a difference between you can have complementary skill sets and redundant skill sets, but then chemistry is a different thing entirely like i think that we would say the conclusion we came to on this podcast with various guests over the last like couple months was that like you know sergio santos is a good compliment for cash is a good ca- uh, compliment for Corey because he'll run and he'll get into the channels and he'll do that kind of like dirty work and stuff like that whereas Corey and uh Casper are probably kind of similar to the same kind of guy. Last night you saw Corey do some of those hard channel runs and try to stretch the field and try to do some of the sergio things but um yeah, just because like one guy's a runner and one guy's like a uh, target man, bigger guy, poacher kind of dude doesn't mean that they necessarily like play off each other as good as they could. You know, it just feels like something's like missing there, like that, like one like little bit of dynamism or like uh, um, creativity or just like next level kind of play. I just I don't know. I'm just like I look at the entirety of the group and like I just, I feel like somebody's has. I feel like there's more for one of those guys to give, you know, I, I absolutely agree. You know, and, and I, like you said with Sergio, he, I think he's a streaky type player. I think if, if you can get him with some confidence that he, he ter- transforms a little bit. Um, but when he doesn't have it, you get, you get performances like last night where he can't, can't find the game, can't get on the ball. Um, I, I don't see Casper and Corey as being a, 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 a pair that you can run out too frequently <laughs> no it seems like kind of like a luxury doesn't it it's like i don't i don't feel like that's like a su- sustainable um yeah. thing moving forward you know i mean do you, do you see them bringing in anybody though that's that's the thing for me is like i i think if you, you are going to bring in another player this year it it might be a place to do it um that's it, the clear it spot seems upgrade, like a need isn't it? Yeah, yeah i mean that's got to be it because like we would get that question i'd get that question like from uh uh you know, from a listener, at least like once every Q and a session that I did, you know, and it would always be like, where do you, where do you see the need to upgrade? Like most right now, like oftentimes I'd say right back, you know, when Ray was still on the team, but I'm fine with them. Bizo, Elliot, Glessness, Wagner midfield looks good and under full construction, ain't replacing Andre Blake. So it's DP striker. Like that's yeah. it. That, that is the position, you know, <laughs> it's like you have a, you have a group of three guys who are pretty good. Okay. But none of those three are like truly great you know and so i feel like that's got it's and that's the thing too it's it's hard it's easy to upgrade you you and i covered a bunch of shitty union teams right it was very easy yes. to up, upgrade those sh- shitty union teams it's much harder to upgrade how do you upgrade a supporter shield winner yeah you know 
Yeah. Um, you make yeah. the hard decision to, to turn the $1 million guy into the $3 million guy, you know? Right. And I, I think that's the, the tricky part is that, you know, you have invested some money in the, the striker position with Casper and, and um, Sergio, especially, I don't, I don't think Corey makes a whole lot at all, Yeah. but you know, when, when you're looking at this team every week, it is the thing that's missing is, is consecutive or uh, consistent goal scoring. You know, I think that the team only has 12 goals on the season. It's, it's towards the, the lower end of, of teams toward that are towards the top of the table. Yeah. I think their defense has bailed them out more than they've, they've won games with, with their offense. So, you know, if there is a decent $3 million striker out there that, that Ernst knows about, I think, I do think yeah. that's the, the upgrade that, that could be done. All right, I told you I wasn't going to keep you that long. Three, three quick ones I'm going to barrel through here. Um, do you have a thought on the defense? I could go on and on forever about center backs and how much I love Glessness and Elliott, but uh, I don't need to – I'll spare the listeners my blathering, and I'll toss it to you if you have a, a, a thought on how the back line's doing right now. It's been good. Uh, I think Glessness and Elliott are great together. Um, I think that somebody probably gets – a breather over the next period, even though they're getting clean sheets. Um, I think Finley has been training well from what Curtin is saying, and you know you might see him spell Elliot for for a game. I think this this weekend might be a, a decent opportunity to do that against a pretty poor Chicago team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mbizo has actually been better than I thought he might be. I think that there was some incons- there's there's still some inconsistencies to the game, but you know the the offense that he offers over years of watching Ray Gaddis in that position is is amazing. Like yeah. some of the crosses this year have been phenomenal. Um, little moves that he has on the dribble, some of Cross them scare to, me in the final the third. Goal, but led to the goal last night. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. he doesn't put that, but Ray's not putting that ball on last year. No, and so, you know, yeah. and, and he's the guy you look at too. That he's probably going to come up with a goal this year. Probably, two, yeah. You know? Yeah, if he's listen, if if Mbizo scores at least one goal over the next ten years, he will have eclipsed right race race <laughs> career total. Yeah, but which uh, is sad to say, but it's you know. It's, yeah, um, but honestly, I feel I feel good about the defense, you know, and I think you know Blake has been phenomenal. Uh, the center backs have been really good. I I think you have Finley, who's supposed to be decent you have colin for experience back there if, if you really need him but do you ever, get finley do you try to get finley a game in this stretch i think saturday looks looks to be a game you could do against chicago is poor chicago team. yeah yeah um you know and i know that jim's not a guy that likes to mix up the back line especially after mm-hmm. clean sheets um but you know just given the the amount of games in a space this this seems like a, a one that you could do it yeah yeah um okay the var call last night the uh matt real tackle they got it completely right yeah okay so var finally works out the way yeah. that we intended to work out my thing is this like can we stop saying studs up because you You've played many years. You can speak to this. Whenever you go in for a tackle, like your studs are going to be like exposed in some way. Okay. Right. So it's not whether they're up or down. You literally cannot make a tackle where you're pointing your foot to the ground and keeping your like your spikes facing. I'm the not ground. flexible it's, enough to do it. It would be like a ba- ballet dancer couldn't do that. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I propose Mike Cervetio that we change it from studs up to studs uh, facing or studs not facing. Is that reasonable? That's phasing sounds like a good phrase to me. I, I don't think I've actually ever heard someone use it, but uh, I'm for it. Because um, they're always going to be they're always going to be exposed. Like yeah. they're going to they're going to be out like somewhere, or they're going to be like ho- like hovering, or they're going to be like facing a certain direction. But it's whether it's directed at the opponent or not. It's not whether it's up or down. It's whether it's facing or it's not facing. Because it's not a it's not an issue of verticality. No, I and I I agree. <laughs> um, and I would and I will say I'm happy to see VAR work out in 
for the right situation for a change like mm-hmm. that that you know on one replay i think everybody was like oh no that's that's not a red card <laughs> yeah and that's what that's why you made you i mean ultimately why did we why did we install this thing okay it's to help take calls that are incorrect and make them correct okay yeah. now we have all the debacle with the offside calls and like was this guy's nose hair like offside and stuff like yeah. that which is not a practical application for why we did it in the first place that just kind of happened because of it but last night was a perfect example of of var and it saved the game yeah it so, did you know so yeah um all right last one for you then i'll let you go um outlook for this season like do they have are, are they an mls cup contender are they a number two seed a number three seed like what what is what is the outlook for them right now you know we did our round table on philly soccer page before the season and that's that's always one of the questions is you know what where do you see the team ending up um and you know what 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 constitutes a good season i i would i said at the beginning of the season that i thought that they would be around the playoff spots i thought that maybe they wouldn't be towards the top three like they have the last two seasons. Um, but th- they're still a good team. Um, I'd say after, what have we seen about a third of the season so far um, that I, I'd, I'd amend that to say they have a decent chance to make the top three in the East again, you know, looking at the other teams around them, you know, I think new England looks like the class of the group right now. Um, and they, they, they have, built pretty steadily over the last couple of seasons. Um, I thought they were really difficult to play against last year, but then after that, who, who else in the East is, is really better yeah. than the way the union have played right now? You know, Orlando looks pretty good. I'm really interested to see what the union match up with Orlando when they play him. Um, New York city, I think is going to have a say in this in the end, but then after that, it's a lot of mediocrity. You know, the red bulls are decent. You know, I think Nashville is decent. Miami, not so good. Um, you know, Chicago looks terrible, um, you know, but this union team, I think, you know, they're not going to win the supporter shield for a second season in a row. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, but I think that they could pretty easily make the top six in the league and, and certainly the top three in the East. Uh, I think defensively and mentally, they would go tier one on the MLS soccer power rankings. I think yeah. offensively they would go like tier four. So yeah. to me, it's just about, you know, putting those two into some kind of formula and seeing where they would end up. But uh, I'm intrigued, you know, uh, so far so good. If they defend the way they defend, they're going to be hard to beat. Uh, Mike Cervetio from the Philly soccer page. Follow him on Twitter. If you are not already, it's at Mike, uh, S-E-R-V-E-D-I-O. Um, Mike, it's always a pleasure, man. I'm sorry it took me 130 episodes to get you on. Um, but uh, we'll do it again sometime. And if, you know, if Casa, if Casa League does uh, roll out the over 40 uh, washed up division. Um, you and I can start a team, and I'll play center back for you. You're you're definitely on my list of guys to call, and I will run around in the midfield for that group. All right. Well, I would be I would be honored to join that, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Cervetti. <laughs> Thanks. Man. Thanks for having me, Kev. <laughs> All right. All right, let's see what you got in the way of questions, comments, and concerns. I also asked if you want to share your favorite Gin Blossom song because they uh, were mercilessly trolling a uh, Denver Nuggets fan who was making fun of them for performing at a halftime of a Phoenix Suns game. So the Gin Blossoms were trolling a Denver Nuggets fan on Twitter. Uh, Mike's favorite uh, Gin Blossom song is Hey Jealousy. Uh, Matt Ralph from the Brotherly Game, his favorite Gin Blossom song is 29. Mine would be, I don't know, Allison Road? Gin Blossoms had some bangers back in the day, man. 90s, uh, well, we call, we call them like soft rock, right? They were a soft rock band. I'd rather listen to that than any of the crap that came out today. So uh, shout out to the Gin Blossoms and their uh, Twitter trolling for sure. 
Um, Ian Williams says, I know it's been talked about, but do you see a DP striker this summer as being realistic or should I just kill those hopes right now? Well, I mean, I think that Ernst sees that that's what they need. For sure. You know, that's got to be what the, uh, you know, the upgrade is. There's nothing really else to to upgrade, is there? You know, they went out and got Stuart Finley. They got Daniel Gajdog. Midfield looks good. The defense looks good. Alvis Powell helps beef him up on the back line. There, There is nowhere else to go. So I wouldn't kill your hopes just based on the fact that, hey, if they're going to do something, that's what it's going to be. So, uh, you know, and the, and the Champions League is a wild card. You know, do they think that this team is good enough to beat Club America as constructed? We will find out. Uh, EJ McGrogan says, top three guys most likely to be on the team still in five years. Um, and it says, for reference, uh, Blake, Bedoya, and Elsino are the only guys left from the 2016 team. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. It's a lot younger team, so there's probably a bunch of uh, decent candidates if you think about it. You know, I think Blake will still be here in five years for sure because uh, I think the ship has sailed for him going to Europe, hasn't it? Like, I don't, you know, if it didn't happen by now, it's probably not going to happen, is it? Um, Jack Elliott may still be here in five years. Um, one of the home, maybe one of the homegrowns perhaps will stick around, um, for sure. I think there'll be a a handful of them, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. There's only three guys who have been here for five years. There's a lot of turnover in soccer, isn't there? Maybe Mbizo, maybe Mbizo is still here, um, five years from now. Wagner will be gone. Glessis, I'm sure will be gone. Bedoya will retire. I think Jamiro will be gone. Brujo will be probably transferred to a better team. You know, if he keeps getting Venezuela caps, gosh, dog, I don't think he'll be here. Cashber. No, yeah. Yeah. So not a lot of, not a lot of first team candidates, but the homegrowns maybe. Uh, DJ says, gosh, dog did not end up using a DP slot. So Jamiro is still the only one. Do you think that Ernst might be looking for a DP strike in the summer window? Yeah. I mean, this question comes up a lot. I don't know. I like. I, I'm not sure what Ernst Tanner wants to do, but I would just say again, you know, I think that uh, we can all identify that that's not good enough, and he'll act if the uh, the attack isn't good enough for sure. You know, but where do you go from here? You know, maybe upgrade the. It's harder to upgrade a good team. One million guy, one million dollar guy has got to be a three million dollar guy. So probably need something up there. Um. Any chance of additional signings? Yeah, it's all the same thing. I'm sorry. I, I don't have a great answer on the signings thing. Like, I really don't. You know, back when I was on the beat, you know, I had my ear to the ground and, like, you know, it would break the occasional story. But I'm sorry. I don't have anything better on on uh, on that front. Uh, John says, does Flock make the Gold Cup roster? And his favorite Gin Blossom song is Hey Jealousy. Yeah, why not? Why not Leon Flock? I mean, what's what's to keep him from making the Gold Cup roster? 20 years old, American, he's played well this year. I'd like to hear, I, if you have a case to keep him off of it, I would like to hear that, you know. Um, Brendan Aronson got call-ups when we were kind of like, was he ready for it? And obviously he was ready for it. So I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see why Flock wouldn't be involved for sure. I mean, we're definitely not putting the cart before the horse there, I don't think, with that, so... Um, Lay Tuper says, have you ever dabbled in or followed the soccer trading card world? Um, I recently heard the soccer trading card market got really hot during the pandemic. I hadn't collected cards in 30 years and looked into it and found some pretty interesting stuff going on. I don't, uh, but I do actually in my closet have like a box of like uh, indoor soccer cards from like the nineties. I think I had like, like Precky is on there or something like that. And a bunch of uh, other random dudes. I don't think they'll ever be worth something someday, but if, if you guys are interested in that kind of like, 
cool memorabilia or whatever. Maybe I can throw it in the pile for the um, for giveaways at the next gathering we do. Still trying to do something this summer, by the way. It's just we're having some hiccups with the, um, some issues that are going on that need to be resolved. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Ricky says uh, over under on when Anthony Fontana gets traded to Colorado. Yeah. I don't know. He's a tough one, man. I mean, I, I think you try to get back to doing what you were doing with him last year. You know, see if he can still be a bench guy, score goals for you off the bench, and maybe that'll be his value. But, I mean, it's clear right now. I just don't think he's a starter in this in this uh, system. You know, maybe on another team. Uh, Billy Venture's favorite Gin Blossom song is Found Out About You. Paul Costa says, when Matt Real enters the match, my the only one whose internal monologue is just one word uh, repeated over and over in a panicky robot voice, danger, danger, danger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's yeah, I'm playing as a shuddler in that game, which is interesting because he's never – Real's interesting because he's a left back by trade, but they played him as a left winger in the 4-2-3-1. They're not going with the 4-2-3-1 this year. So try playing him as a f- number eight, and yeah, I guess it works okay. You know, it's – um. Tough situation for him, you know, because he doesn't really he doesn't really have a home right now. He's just kind of coming in and doing spot duty and being asked to do a bunch of different things. Um, Man on says, uh, how far deep down a country's ladder would Ernst have to go to buy a guy that you would be certain wouldn't work out? Uh, like obviously he can pluck guys from the Bundesliga too, like it's nothing. Would you would you give him the Czech uh, Czech Republic second tier or the the Belarusian Premier League? What's the limit? That's pretty good. That's a good question. Uh, you know, where, what was the first league to come back after the pandemic? The Tajikistan uh, Premier League, right? You know, everybody's picking their team from uh, from that league. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I trust him to pull. I trust him for any league in Europe, you know. Um, I, I wouldn't go beyond second division, f- you know, for the big leagues, right? German second division is fine. The championship's fine. League two, second league in France or Spain, I think you'd be okay with the Glessons they got out of Scandinavia. Um, Hungary, they got Gosh Dog from Hungary. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they've had success pretty much. Po- it's a that's a it's a tough question to answer because they don't have any real misses, do they? You know, like <laughs> how many how many misses like Oravets? I guess count him as a miss. I mean, that would be it. But uh, yeah, I don't know unless they go like to out to like central Asia or something, they start pulling from like Kazakhstan or like Azerbaijan or so. They get a guy from Karabagh or, uh, <laughs> you know, like Kar- Karumchi or whatever the hell it is. in like Uzbekistan or something. Then you might be a little, then you might ask some questions, but I trust Ernst. So I don't know. I feel comfortable with anything he does. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Krasafi says, um, Hey, Jealousy is his favorite Jim Blossom song. And with the recent sales of Chicago, Columbus, Orlando, Houston for insane venture capital type of cash, does the union even register as a possible team for sale? Uh, Sugarman, just that kind of owner berated by Jorge Mas, uh, response from the Miami debacle. Yeah. It's just hard to know like what Jay's motivation is really. Um, you know, he's he's an interesting thinker, and he does want to win, but he wants to win while not spending a bunch of money. I think he kind of gets – I get the sense that he wants to be unique, and he wants to say that if he does win, he won in a different way, doing it his way. But uh, I don't know. It, it, at the end of the day, it is an investment. I mean, if it got to a point where he could get that kind of money for it, I'm sure he would sell. But 
there's no there's nothing to say that it stops now. It, it's not going to level off now. You can, you can just wait, and it'll keep going up and up and up and up and up. So um, I think it's good news for him, and he's probably sitting there thinking, well, I can probably wait it out even more if he wants to sell. So Union Hulk checking, and he says, uh, is Antron Griezmann coming to the Union? He and uh, Kevin Durant are besties. Uh, his best Gin Blossom song is Hey, Genesee. It's an ode to cream ale. Hey. Union Hulk chiming in with the with the uh, the joke. Uh, Tom says, is there a Jim Curtin sneaker Twitter yet? No, but somebody should get on that. Um, Jim's been very stylish the last couple of years, hasn't he? Very impressive. Uh, his favorite Jim Blossom song is Allison Road. And uh, we'll wrap it up with Jack Sullivan, who says his favorite Jim Blossom song is uh, Idiot Summer. I don't think I remember that one. Um, yeah, listen. Thanks for listening again. And uh, another game coming up on Saturday. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're going to get the uh, try to get this um, fifth year anniversary thing going at some point in the summer. I just got to come up with a date and uh, we'll get over that hiccup, hopefully, and uh, get something on the calendar. It'll be nice to see everybody uh, again at a. Uh, 100% capacity uh, Subaru Park. All right. That's it. Thank you. Thank you very much.